Welcome back to the Australian Rotary Health podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and joining us today on episode 37 is Dr. Marley Boer from the University of Sydney. Marley received an Australian Rotary Health Ian Scott PhD scholarship from 2014 to 2016 for her project called The Experience of Loneliness in the Australian Homeless Population, which she undertook at Western Sydney University. Marley is now a postdoctoral research fellow at the Matilda Centre for Research in Mental Health and Substance Use. Her research interests include broader social determinants of mental health, particularly understanding loneliness and isolation amongst marginalised individuals and how this relates to the built environment. So welcome to the podcast today, Marley. Thanks for joining me. How's everything been going for you? Good, yes. I mean, um, it's been a, a year, <laughs> but no, it's nice to be here today on this podcast. Looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, thanks again for joining me. And I know a bit of time has passed now since um, you completed your PhD. So I guess um, I think our audience would be interested to know what have you been up to since then? Yeah, so a few different things. Um, so when I was finishing my PhD, I got a job working at the New South Wales Inspector of Custodial Services as a research officer, which was really interesting um, and used a lot of the skills that I learned in my PhD. So I had to work um, uh, inspecting uh, custodials, uh, well, correctional centres in New South Wales, all over New South Wales, and um, used skills that I learned in my PhD, like stakeholder engagement with different services and um, corrective services. Um, the role of services in supporting um, marginalised populations and policy, and I really enjoyed that job. I then worked um, at um, Family and Community Services, which is now Department of Community and Justice, um, doing their homelessness strategy stuff there too, which was, yeah, also seemed to flow from my PhD. Um, yeah, and now I'm working as a research fellow at the Mutual Centre um, and working across a number of different projects um, in the criminal justice space, so kind of in that space, but also uh, in mental health policy in Australia more broadly um, and in mental health and substance use post-COVID. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've been very busy since then and, and it's good to see that it's kind of flowed on like really well from your PhD, like working in that same area. So, yeah, that's really great to hear. Um, I guess rewinding back a little bit now to when you um, were first deciding on a topic for your PhD, was homelessness um, something that you'd always been interested in exploring? Um, not particularly. Uh, when I first finished my psychology honours at Sydney Uni, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do or how to, what to do um, with my psych work forward, taking forward. Um, I'd always been interested in social disadvantage and the impact it can have on mental health and had worked with Vinnies before that. But when I saw a research assistant job going at Western Sydney Uni with Dr Elizabeth Conroy um, that was conducting an evaluation of a Housing First program with 75 chronically homeless men in Western Sydney, it felt like a really good fit and I was really interested. Um, in interviewing the men, I became really interested in loneliness and 
what, how it was experienced by that group, you know, what loneliness was for them, why they're experiencing it and what impact it had on their capacity to maintain their tenancies over time. So Elizabeth then became my PhD supervisor and that was that really. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, sounds really interesting. Um, could you maybe talk us through what your PhD involved, like maybe some of the aims or research questions that, um, that you were looking at and how you went about answering those? Sure. Um, so my PhD aimed to answer a few research questions. Firstly, I wanted to know what loneliness was for people experiencing homelessness, how they understand it. Um, and I answered that question with qualitative interviews with 16 people um, who are really diverse, who are either currently or formerly homeless living in the broader Sydney region. I also wanted to know how many people who are experiencing homelessness also experience loneliness and what factors are associated with whether or not someone is likely to feel lonely. And I answered that question using um, kind of a surveys or a longish survey, which I designed based on the findings I had in, from the interviews. Um, and the surveys were quite long. Um, they could take a couple of hours because um, it was a face-to-face -face kind of framework and um, quite involved questioning. So I ended up doing about 126 of those over time. So it took quite a while, but yeah. it was really worthwhile. Yeah, I'm sure you would have gotten some really interesting information out of those interviews as well. How did that sort of inform your results from the study? Yeah, um, I think it was really uh, essential to have that kind of experience of talking with people one-on-one -on -one. um you know you can do so many things at a distance by sending off a survey and getting people to complete it online but that's not really always possible with a population like people experiencing homelessness that tend to have such high rates of cognitive impairment and um things like that but as a result of having that kind of one-to-one um, -one contact with so many people i feel like i got a really good understanding of what some of the um the main issues were and and um, how, how they could be best addressed. Um, so I can talk about some of the findings that were, I thought were particularly useful or interesting if that's something yeah, you're interested yeah, in hearing. To hear. Okay, well, one thing that was somewhat surprising for me but I suppose it makes sense is that um, people tended to have actually a lot of friends around them, a lot of connections that were helping them while they were homeless. Um, so, and these relationships were really beneficial for their survival, you know, sharing resources, sharing places to say, things like that. But actually um, these relationships can uh, marginalise people long-term and often aren't really who they want to be spending time with, um, depending on who they see themselves or how they see themselves um, in the world both prior to homelessness but also after. And I learned that, that their loneliness can really only be addressed through meaningful relationships with the person or a social group that they really value. So having substitute relationships with service providers or pets or um, even, you know, friends will not always compensate for those that they really want. Yeah, yeah that's, that's very interesting. Was there, I guess, was there anything else that you sort of found from this research as well? Yeah, I think um, it, it was interesting um, 
important for me because a lot of the, the kind of best practice approaches in homelessness are about housing and tenancy support, post-housing. And that is really seen as a gold standard, but is actually quite far away from what people in services uh, really have the funding and capacity to do. But my research really showed that you do have to go kind of beyond that. It, it can't just be that you're offering kind of a one-size-fits-all tenancy support solution because you, what you need to be asking, and it's not rocket science, and it sounds probably overly simple, but it, it kind of gets the point. You have to ask people, you know, who are you and who do you want to be? And then kind of help them to get there. And if you don't do that, you risk someone leaving tenancy early and going back to old friends and habits on the street. Now, people need a lot of um, support for the transition of exiting homelessness. Um, putting someone in a house doesn't necessarily solve things because it often doesn't last long term. You need to make sure that you work with them to figure out a way that they can um, thrive in their new community and, and integrate well. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely sounds like you have found, yeah, a few, um, yeah, key findings there that that could potentially have some some impacts um, for real homeless people. I, I guess, um, what, what kind of impacts do you think that this might have in terms of mental health? Um, well, I think that loneliness itself, it's becoming more popular to talk about um, in the public sphere because it is linked with so many other mental disorders. But has a massive um, kind of cost to society. So they found that the mortality rate associated with loneliness is on par with other um, kind of non-communicable practices like smoking or alcoholism. Um, you know, it can, it can, it's a very dangerous experience. So if we find ways that people can, um, you know, and people who are experiencing homelessness tend to have much worse mental health than the mainstream population. And that's the result of the real uh, struggle and, and intensity of what it means to be homeless and the day-to-day -day, um, uh, kind of stress that you go under. But also people who experience homelessness have like a higher um, likelihood of having experienced a trauma history and incarceration, a lot of things that can be, um, you know, have negative impacts on your mental health. So when we do look at things like loneliness and we look at how we can change things or alter it over time, you, you do expect to see um, commensurate improvements in people's broader mental health. And I think that loneliness for people experiencing homelessness can be a real key to unlock what could be a more fulfilling and meaningful life for people um, post-homelessness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I guess... Um... Yeah, that, yeah, as you said, yeah, loneliness, yeah, it really seems to be a key here for, for helping these people and hopefully more kind of flows on from that. I, I guess, um, you, you know, in terms of research, um, did you have any other plans to, to use this research data to expand on, on what you know already or, um, yeah, kind of work on that policy level? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I've been slowly going through and publishing things based on my findings. So I suppose in that way, um, the data is continually being used. But I also take almost any opportunity I'm given to share my findings with services to ensure that they the research goes straight to the people that can use it um, to advocate for funding and things like that. And I intend to keep on doing this into the future. Um, but in another way, I... Um, I'm now leading a study called the Alone Together Study, which is looking 
at the impact of COVID-19 on about 2,000 Australians' mental health and substance use over two years. And I've been able to include lots of questions around loneliness and social networks because I know from my PhD findings that's a really important area for people um, and an, an area, as I said, like a key that unlocks a lot of other issues with mental health um, or other causes of mental health um, problems. But I'm also taking a housing lens, so asking questions to people about housing history and what housing they're in, um, and included around 45 people experiencing homelessness in that um, study to ensure their voices are also heard in these kind of collective uh, understandings of the impact of COVID. So although it's not exactly the same data, it is that extension of the same kind of uh, idea to, to take it forward and go, hey, okay, so this is... This is not a fully homeless sample, but how do people experiencing homelessness um, relate to other populations in Australia? Um, are they dealing something as big as COVID? Yeah, yeah, that would be definitely very interesting and very topical at the moment. So, yeah, it'd be great to, to hear about those findings as well when they eventually come out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I guess, you know, this, this scholarship was awarded to you at, at the start of your research career. I, I guess what kind of impact did this have for you as a researcher? Yeah, I mean, I'm really uh, very, very thankful and grateful to Rotary Health for my scholarship. Um, it provided me with the means to start my own project in Korea instead of working on other people's projects. And I was able to really pour all my passion and commitment into one, um, into that work. And... I think that Rotary was really special in that way because it, unlike a lot of the other uh, funding bodies, it get, well, I suppose, gave a chance to a project that isn't like strictly mental health medical. Like loneliness is a mental health issue, but it's not, you know, a, a DSM diagnosis as, you know, with depression or anxiety. So I suppose they gave, they put their faith in me and that was really special and um, I was grateful for that. But also... Um, Rotary, of course, gave me access to lots of other incredible experiences like sitting in on the grant review process um, for Rotary grants one year and media training, as well as um, kind of countless opportunities to share my research findings at Rotary clubs across South Wales. So I really enjoyed that process and I think I owe Rotary a lot um, and it was a special experience I'm not sure I would have had with any other scholarship provider. So thank you to all of you. Well, I'm sure the Rotarians really enjoyed hearing your, your presentations about your research as well, like when, when you probably went to club meetings to meet some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots sure of they, Yeah, I'm sure they would have really enjoyed that. And, and it's really great to be able to talk about this research today on this podcast as well. I guess, was there anything else that you'd like to let our Rotary audience know today um, before we wrap up? Yeah, um, I, I suppose I'd like to say that I think that the work that you all do in supporting mental health research is so important in an Australian context. Like we know um, that mental health issues like anxiety, depression or substance use are some of the biggest burdens of disease in Australia and they compare really comparable to things like cancer. Um, but yet we don't have the same funding um, into research that's proportionate with that risk. So we know that research mental health saves lives and we need to keep it going to ensure that people in Australia have as, as good a lives as they can. 
we all know we're worth it. So yeah, thank you again for your time today. And thank you so much for listening to me and listening to my, about my research. Yeah, well, thank you again for sharing. And yeah, as you said, it, it is so important and it is so underfunded, that area of, of research. So hopefully, yeah, we can keep keep doing this work and hopefully we have researchers like you who are continuing this work as well. So yeah, that's really great. <laughs> we need to grow. Yeah. Well, thanks so much again, Marley. No worries. Thank you, Jess. That was the 37th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Marley's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.